Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, whether you're joining us on site or online. Now, today is the first Sunday of Advent, and um, the word, it's the start of the Christian year, and the word Advent, for those of you who may not know this, comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming or arrival. So Advent is a time when we are celebrating, when we are preparing for the coming of Christ, the light of the world. So today we're going to light one of these candles, uh, and we light one each week to symbolize the deepening of our preparation and the increasing light that bursts forth at Christmas. So as we light this candle, we kindle it with hope. We long for God to come to our world, to break through and reign with compassion, justice, and peace. Come to us, O Christ the Light. So once again, thanks for joining us. Let's take a moment to greet one another. Uh, you can turn to your neighbor and give them a wave, give them a smile. If you're online, you can also type into the chat, type a greeting and greet those online. And our moderators will be online to also respond to you during the service. And now, can I invite you to rise in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship as we prepare our hearts. Come, walk in green pastures. We follow the shepherd. Come, lie down in green pastures. We trust, we trust the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, dine at the table of abundance. We, we are, are fed, fed by, by the, the shepherd. shepherd. Come, dwell in God's house. We, we live in the, the shepherd's, shepherd's care. Loving shepherd, you know our names. You care for us. When we face darkness and death, Walk beside us. When we hunger for your love, fill us with your presence. When we are fearful, feed us at your table. May we dwell in the house of goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. Amen. So now may I invite you to remain standing and join our lovely worship team in a time of praising God in song. Matthew 1, 23. It says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's take this time to welcome Jesus into this precious space. Even at home, it is precious too. And also a time to give thanks for the entire year, for your entire life. Let's sing O Come. O Come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, thou ransom captive Israel, thou mourns and lonely 
Ephesians 3.20 To God whose power now at work in us can do immeasurably more than what we ask of or imagine To God be the glory in church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. There is one. There is one who is greater. Nothing else compares. He holds all
Continue to be in that special place. When no one's around. In the place between you and Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to fill your heart. So take this time to let go. Let go of the things that hold you. This time to surrender all your tears and sadness. to let go today so that love can enter so that the Holy Spirit may fill you with His love
And now will you join me in a word of prayer? God of holy arrivals in perfect timing. Advent is a time for us to prepare for the arrival of your precious Son. A time for us to understand and experience again the enormity and grace of Emmanuel, God with us. Holy God, you are the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And Jesus is your greatest gift to us, a sign of your love. Yet we sometimes forget what Advent preparation is about. Christmas in our society tends towards indulgence, from decor to gifts to foods. The arrival of the Messiah, by contrast, dear God, is true abundance disguised by the impression of scarcity. Train our eyes, God, to see through the rough stable, the adolescent mother, the anxious escape to Egypt, so we may see in that poverty and powerlessness the wonder of God's abundant life and grace coming down to dwell among us. Advent is a time for you, God, to act in us, through us, beyond us, more than we imagine. Because newness is on its way among us. Advent is preparation for the demands of newness that will break the tired patterns of fear in our lives. So living God, visit us in this season with your Holy Spirit that we may be moved to do what you have called us to do, to love even when it's challenging, and be a neighbour even when it is difficult. As we wait and prepare for the arrival of Emmanuel again, may you act in us, through us, beyond us, immeasurably more than we can imagine, so that the world may truly know joy on earth. Amen.
Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Thank you for being here on this rainy Sunday morning. For those who don't know me, my name is Gary, and I'm so glad that you're here with us as we go into the Word together. So welcome to December. Welcome to the final month of the year. Uh, we are wrapping up 2023, and uh, what a year it has been, especially this landmark year where FCC celebrated its 20th anniversary. It's been truly such an incredible year, an incredible journey for those of us who have been here uh, since the beginning. You know, it's been taking really miracles upon miracles for us to be here today and to become the ministry and the kind of community that God has called us to. So as we prepare this morning for the sermon, I just want to say that if you are here with us, I am so glad that you are part of this community. I'm so glad that you're spending your time with us to lean in to the Word, to journey together with us, to grow together and to live out the mission of God, to be a witness of God's love for everyone. And I just want to personally say a big thank you to you. I love you so much and I appreciate you for being here and being part of this journey. It's only because of you that we can together be on this miraculous journey of building in and building this church. Because you have leaned in with your gifts, your talent, your time, and your finances, and you have lived out God's purpose and call on your life. And that's why we can hear, be all here together. And for those who are maybe newer with us, I just want to say that I'm so, so, so grateful that you have taken the time to be with us here as well. I want to recognize your presence with us and thank you for worshiping with us and coming and taking the, the chance and stepping out in courage to get to know us. I want to say a big welcome home to you and we hope that FCC will not just become a safe space for you, but also will become a Christian community that you can find belonging in and that this community will be life-giving to you. So today we are going to get into the Word and I want to invite you to follow along and contribute anonymously to today's sermon. And what you can do to do that is to take out your phones and open up your browser to go to fcc.ly slash menti. And this way you can actually follow along and make sure that your voice is heard in the sermon and that we can all learn together from our combined reflections. But before we do that, would you pause with me and let's quieten our heart and give this time to God in prayer. Holy God, we thank you. We thank you so much for this time that we can come together as community around the ministry of your word. And God, we ask that you speak to each one of us now in the way that we need to hear it. We ask you to give us open hearts, to know your heart for each one of us, and I pray that we will have a greater revelation of you, that the living word will come alive in our hearts today and enable us to see you clearly, to follow you boldly, and we pray that we'll be so open to your work in our lives and that we will have a revelation of your call to each one of us in this season. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. 
So last week, if you had been here, we had our annual general meeting, or AGM, as we reviewed the year that has passed, assessed how we are doing as a community, listened to a lot of the feedback that you had, and prepared for the year ahead for the next chapter of FCC's unfolding journey. So for those people who participated in completing the Pulse survey, in giving your generous feedback, in participating in the discussions as we deliberated on the budget for next year, I just want to say a big thank you for taking the time and all your input. And for those of us who maybe have missed the AGM, you can actually go online and catch up on it by going to fcc.ly slash AGM2023 after the service, and you can listen to it and, be, and hear the discussions that have happened. We use all of this feedback and input to plan for the year ahead. It's really hard work to you know, discern what God is saying to us as a community and balance the entire spectrum of feedback that we, of, that we receive. And this is often you know, on opposite ends sometimes of each other. And so our task as, with, together with the pastors and the other leaders is to kind of like gather it all and synthesize all of the input and plan a way forward for the journey ahead of us. So last week, we shared the banner theme for next year, which is called Sila, a year of renewal. So the word Sila means pause or, and think about it. And it's around these five themes that you see up on the screen. What we want to do is, in 2024, is to pause and listen for where God is calling us to in the year ahead. We want to prepare ourselves how, of how God wants to enter the world in this season that we are finding ourselves in and how God wants to make the impossible possible again in our lives and in the life of our church. So we find ourselves exactly today in that moment of that first week of Advent where we prepare for the arrival of God into the world. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be preparing for the impossible that will culminate with Christmas, where we all come together to celebrate the birth of Christ, where we all come together to reveal how God is that God of the immeasurably more above what we can ask, think, or imagine. And as we heard from the scripture that was, talked, uh, that was shared earlier, this idea of immeasurably more comes from our anchor verse for this Christmas Advent season. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, which is a prayer by the Apostle Paul over the church in Ephesus. And today, since we have already heard it read to us, I cannot invite us all to read it aloud together with me. All right? One, two, three. To God, whose power now at work in us can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. To God be the glory in the church and in Christ through all generations, world without end. Amen. Yes, what an incredible promise that is, isn't it? God is now at work in us and God is going to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think or imagine. And for some of us, when we hear a promise like this, we go, yes, God, finally, my prayers are going to be answered. I am ready, God, to receive it. And yet for others, maybe it's that small voice in the back of our heads going like, great, that's going to happen for some other people. Nothing's ever quite happened for me before or for a long while. 
So I'm not really going to be expecting anything and uh, that way I won't be disappointed. So today, as we begin our Advent journey together, I want to share two stories from the Gospels, two very familiar stories from the Gospels to help us to reflect on this and prepare for the God of the immeasurably more entering into this world. These two stories are about two people who encountered the impossible in their lives at the beginning of the very first Advent season. And as we go through these two stories, I want us to listen to these two stories carefully because they have a lot of similarities between the two stories, but also some important differences that I want us to pick up. So the first story is of a girl named Mary when she first hears that she's going to give birth to the Christ child. And I'm going to be reading to us today from Luke chapter 1, starting from verse 26. And it says here in the scripture, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be holy. <clears throat> he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, will also conceive a son. And this is the sixth month for her, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So here we read that the angel Gabriel appears to Mary with the announcement of the impossible. That an unwed teenage girl was going to give birth to God, no less, into the world. There was another similar encounter that happened to an elderly priest called Zechariah six months earlier. Zechariah, as you heard, was married to a woman named Elizabeth, which was mentioned in that scripture. And he was on duty at the temple in Jerusalem in his particular encounter with the impossible. So now I'm going to read us that story from Luke chapter 1 verse 10 so that we can compare the two stories side by side. So Luke chapter 1 verse 10 says, Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people were, was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, 
for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink before even his birth. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many to the people of Israel, to the Lord their God. With spirit and power of Elijah, he'll go before him to turn the hearts of, of uh, parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know that this will happen? For I am an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. So Zechariah gets a visit from the same angel with an announcement also of the, of the impossible that was about to happen that his elderly wife was to bear him a son, and not just any son as well, one who will be filled with the Spirit of God, who will go on before God to turn people's hearts towards God. Two very similar stories of the announcement of the impossible about to happen in two very different lives delivered by the angel Gabriel. Both Mary and Zechariah had similar reactions towards the angel's appearance. They both certainly weren't expecting it. And they both asked the angels, how was this going to happen? But there were also very important key differences in their reaction. So first, I want to take a look at Zechariah's reaction. The gospel describes his reaction to the appearance of the angel as firstly being terrified. He was overwhelmed with fear. And then, the reaction that God was going to do the impossible in Elizabeth's life was filled with doubt that it would happen. As a result of his disbelief, the angel responds to, to Zechariah and says this, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. But now since you did not believe my words, which, was, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute you'll be unable to speak until the day these things occur. Mary's reaction was different. The gospel writer here describes that while she was perplexed and confused, she responded in faith. In verse 38, it says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. So, as you are listening to these two stories, I would like you to imagine something similar that is impossible that is happening in your life that could turn your world upside down. So let's say that suddenly you get a visit from Gabriel and he comes to declare to you that you or a close family member is going to be pregnant to bear a child that will be used by God to change the world. Can you picture that? experience for yourself. Now, I wonder, how would you feel and what would your response be? And here is an opportunity to take out your phones and to put it into Menti. Would it be closer to Mary's response or closer to Zachariah's response? So here you can share your answer anonymously and we can see where we are collectively on this. So we see that Zechariah is slightly ahead of Mary. A lot more people seem to be on Zechariah's response compared to Mary at the moment. Seems to be staying that way. And you know what? If I have to be honest with you, I would have voted Zechariah. I think I would have responded more like Zechariah 
than Mary. So that got me thinking, what is the reason for this difference between Zachariah's response and Mary's response? And what can we learn from these two stories? So I think that there are two important lessons for us here today, for, for us to learn today. The first lesson, I think, is the difference in mindsets between Zechariah and Mary. The difference in mindsets between Zechariah and Mary. So what's a mindset? A mindset is a set of beliefs or attitudes of how you perceive yourself and how you perceive the world around you. Your mindset influences how you think, how you feel, and how you will respond in different situations. And because our mindset influences how we respond in any given situation, we need to examine the difference in mindset between Zechariah and Mary. Now, the most important scholarship in recent years around mindsets has been by this psychologist called Dr. Carol Dweck. And Dr. Dweck has dedicated her life's work to try to understand why some people and some organizations succeed and why some don't. And she found out in her research that the way we think, our very basic beliefs and motivations either propel us towards our potential or prevents us from fulfilling our potential. And she discovered that the biggest influence of success whether it's as an individual or collectively as an organization, depends on the way we think or our mindset. And if you have an opportunity, I put the book that I'm referencing here to get, it's called Mindset, where she's made her research very easily accessible. And she proposes that there are essentially two different types of mindsets. We can either have a fixed mindset or we can have a growth mindset. And in her research, a fixed mindset is where one has a very deterministic view of the world. We are products or victims of our circumstances. And skills, intelligence, abilities, and gifts are natural and inborn. Failure for those people who have a fixed mindset is seen as final or terminal. So we should avoid any situation with the potential for us to fail. Those with a fixed mindset typically also do not welcome feedback well because they view feedback as criticism. People who have a fixed mindset also avoid attempting that which may have an uncertain outcome so that mistakes can be avoided since the outcome is already predetermined. So she coins the phrase, know it all for those kind of people with a fixed mindset, know-it-alls. On the other hand, those with a growth mindset comes from a place that recognizes that we all have the capacity to learn and grow. The skills, intelligence, abilities, and gifts are not natural, but they are learned. And that we are not victims of situations, but indeed, challenges are there to help us to foster growth. And so, with perseverance and learning, improvements can be made. Change can happen and new things are possible because we are agents of free will and co-creators with God. So for those with a growth mindset, feedback is instead welcomed and seen as necessary as part of the growth process. So she coins the phrase, 
learn it all for those people who have a growth mindset. So on one side, we've got those people with a fixed mindset who are the know-it-alls. And the other side, we have the people with the growth mindset who are, who are coined as the learn-it-alls. So now, if we think about Zechariah, I would like to propose that Zechariah had more of a fixed mindset. Because when Zechariah receives a visit from an angel who tells him that he and Elizabeth would have a son, number one, he gets terrified and overwhelmed with fear. Well, you might think that that's natural, right? But can you imagine, Zechariah was in the very place in the temple that the presence of God was supposed to appear, to reside there. It, never mind that he was also supposed to be there burning incense, interceding prayers for God's people, including himself. Never mind that this, has, this prayer of having a child has been a prayer of his and Elizabeth for many, many years. But for Zechariah, this has never happened, should not be happening, and so he is terrified. His fixed mindset comes through in his response to the angel. When he asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is along in years. I don't care who you are and who you are sent by. This is naturally impossible, Gabriel. And Zechariah's response is sad because he's a faith leader, isn't he? He was supposed to be an authority on mediating the presence and purposes of God and mediating prayers to God to be answered. But how often do we see that those who are the most religious, the most empowered in the Bible, continually are the ones who refuse the correction of Jesus or the prophets. And ultimately, the way the religious leaders at that time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, reacted to the correction of Jesus and the feedback of Jesus was to eliminate Jesus, to eliminate the very one that they were supposed to follow. They had a fixed mindset. Now, if we think about Mary, on the other hand, I think she had more of a growth mindset. Mary said here, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now, a bit of background of Mary. She wasn't a priest. She wasn't a super scholar. She was not a teacher of the law. This wasn't even in her prayers. She wasn't even in the temple expecting to encounter the presence of, the, of, of God. But her response shows her mindset, responding in humility and that readiness to follow. And I think that as Christians, I believe the call for each one of us is to have a growth mindset. The call for each one of us as Christians is to have a growth mindset. Our call as a disciple of Jesus is for all of us to adopt the mindset of a learner, to learn and then to follow. And that requires for us to have a growth mindset and to be open to learning and following, to become learn-it-alls. But oftentimes, how we op operate is often informed by what we see in the patterns that we have learned around us whether it is the patterns that we were taught by our family, by our culture, by church tradition, 
by mass media, by those people in authority in the world. But the way of Jesus and the gospel message that he brings is fundamentally countercultural to the world, which means opposite to the world. And Paul writes to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So following God's will, following God's will can only happen if we first allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this means that we must take on the mindset of a learner. We need to take on a growth mindset so that we can identify and be aware of the patterns of the world that are not of God to invite feedback and correction and relearn new patterns of God's will for us and for the world in the different areas of our lives. But what if we fail and make mistakes along the way? Nobody likes failures. Nobody wants to make a mistake. But one distinctiveness of the Christian, of the Christian religion and Christianity is that the heart of God we worship that is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore that is revealed in Scripture is that God is the God of grace, of the second chance, the third chance, and the 1,000th chance that has been proclaimed right from the beginning to the Israelites, when in Deuteronomy chapter 4, you can see that because the Lord your God is a, a merciful God, He will neither abandon you nor destroy you. He will not forget the covenant with you, with your ancestors that He swore to them. So we have nothing to fear. And as disciples of Christ, we can have a growth mindset to learn it all and not be afraid of failure. But today, the mindset of many Christians and collectively as the church worldwide, unfortunately, still tends to be that of a fixed mindset rather than a growth mindset. And that's why in their witness, churches still follow many patterns of the world. And instead of bringing the way of Christ into the world, they bring the way of the world into the church. They don't represent the will of God or the heart of Christ in the way that they are witnessing to the world. Now, at this point in time, I'd like to invite you to take out your phones again to share that of what are some of the unchristlike patterns that you have observed in the church that are still following the patterns of the world instead of following the will of God. What are some of the unchristlike patterns that you have observed in the church? that are still following the patterns of the world instead of following the will of God. Gossiping, discrimination, materialistic, judgmental, worship money, pride, hypocritical behavior, judgmentalism, wealth-focused, yearn for things of the flesh, chasing material success, rallying their flock to protect themselves and judge others, selfishness, no team spirit, ego, no unity, 
impatient. So let's see if there's any others that are coming in. But for me, you know, as I reflect on this question, whether it is the inclusion of those who are on the margins, whether it's a very narrow view of orthodoxy, whether it is speaking out and serving those who are being oppressed or have no voice, whether it's being relevant to the times, for me, these are the patterns that I have observed. And it all begins with mindset. With all of this, why do we hold on to a fixed mindset? Why do you think we hold on to a fixed mindset? And between Dr. Dweck and Brene Brown, they came up with this, that they think that we would so often rather accept the comfort and safety of a past that holds us captive than the discomfort and uncertainty of a future that sets us free. In fact, I would like to propose that spiritual growth is not so much how much of the Bible that we know, but how much we are renewing our mind, how much we are learning about the will of God and stepping into our call, and how much in our own lives we're able to say, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So, I want us to take a moment and reflect now for ourselves, right? We've been talking about the church and other people. Where do you still have a fixed mindset that prevents you from growing, from transforming, from becoming a disciple of Christ? Where are you? In what aspects of your life do you still have a fixed mindset of this? And while you're putting in your responses, I'll share with you mine. For me, my fixed mindset comes from the words that have been said over my life for many, many years. Whether it is from the words of my parents, the words of my schoolmates or teachers, the words of pastors that I've sat under, the way that the systems of the world is constructed and by the government, and the way that we like to categorize um, different people into different boxes and say that this is where you belong. And also in my observation that just some people have got easier success that's going around and I have it harder, so that's my lot in life. Let's see where you feel that you have a fixed mindset, defensive, finances, perception of your own ability, being able to mix well with people, thinking that I have not enough time to serve the marginalized not fully trusting God's providence, relying on myself to prevent bad experiences. Not anymore, that's great for you. That I need a romantic relationship to be happy. How the church community should look like. Can we scroll down? Thank you. The words that I've constructed for myself for a long time. Do not do anything that could trouble others. So we can see that there are areas in our lives that we have still a fixed mindset to work on, all of us, individually and as a church. And so the first lesson for us is really the difference in mindset. 
And I think the second lesson for us is interconnected with the first. And that is the differing mindsets that they both had caused them to have differing perspectives of God and of themselves. And some of you alluded to that in your mentee already. So the second one, that I want, the second lesson that I think we can glean from this is a different in perspectives. So if having a growth mindset gives us the opportunity to change our perspectives, our perspectives or our worldview are like the OS, the operating system that informs our response and actions. With a fixed mindset, our perspectives will not change and will be operating out of that system, that operating system that we have, that modality that we have. But if we have a growth mindset, our perspectives can change. Let me explain to you uh, what I mean here. Because I feel that there are a few important perspectives in our faith that determine how we make decisions. So a few of them are up there that I've put on the screen. The first important perspective that we have is what is our perspective of God? How do we see God in our lives? Do you see God as a, a powerful deity that needs to be appeased so that you will be favoured? The ancients, many of the ancients in the Bible certainly saw God that way. Do you see God as a God who is perfect and cannot be in the presence of sin and brokenness? Well, Christian fundamentalism certainly sees God that way and so they keep all sorts of people out of the church and oftentimes they bury their authentic selves in order to appear righteous and faithful to God. Do you see God as the God who loves you unconditionally as you are? That this God wants to be with you, that wants the best for you, that goes before you and never forsakes you. So the first important perspective is how do we see God? And we need to reflect on that. The second perspective that informs our decision is the perspective of how we see ourselves. Do we see worth as less than others, our worth as less than others? Do we see that our worth needs to be earned? Do we see that there are others who are more loved, more blessed, more favoured? Or do you see yourself as a beautiful, unique image of the divine that was beautifully and perfectly created? And the third perspective of our faith that informs our actions is how do we understand our purpose in life? Is our purpose in life to create a name for yourself? Is it to have an outstanding career, good standing in the community, and to be well-liked? Is it to address the lack of resources in our lives, the thing areas in our lives that don't measure up to others? Is it to have enough and to secure our future? Is it to make sure that you have enough blank, whether it is enough money, enough sleep, enough beauty, enough certainty? Or do you see purpose as being salt and light, as being created by God to follow the way of Christ and participate in God's call to love and God's mission of restoration? These perspectives and our faith determine our decisions. These are perspectives that are the operating system to which our responses in any given situation about how we are going to respond and act. 
And in this season, I pray that we will take a moment to examine our perspectives that drives our motivations and our responses. I want us to take a moment to look first about what we can understand about Zechariah's perspective. You know, Zechariah, he's a priest and he was trying his best to do everything that he could to be faithful to God. He, as part of his priestly duties, he performed all of the religious duties and what was required of him. But even doing all the things that he thought that he was supposed to do, he and Elizabeth were not blessed with children. It was a weight that he carried. And in those times, this weight is also added to by the judgment of the people around him. Because children are a blessing of God during that time, if your wife is barren, what it means that you or her must have done something wrong. There must be sin in your life or in your ancestor's life. And these years that he has spent wrestling with this barrenness and trying to figure out what's wrong, then gets internalized and it turns out instead of what is going on that's wrong, becomes what is wrong with me? Am I cursed or am I worth less? And so when the angel appears to deliver Zechariah the good news, his response wasn't, thank God my prayers are finally answered. Praise God, hallelujah. Instead, his response was, how can I be sure of this? Because that was the state of his heart and it reflected his understanding of the character of God at that time. That was his perspective. That was his OS. His belief system was that God was displeased and that's why he was barren. And that's why God needed to be continually appeased and petitioned through sacrifices of atonement. His relationship with God was a relationship of fear. And his heart reflected the perspective of many of the people at that time. And as a result of that response, the angel would strike him dumb until the child was born. Now, if you think about it, that seems a bit harsh, isn't it? Maybe this God really is this God who really needs to be appeased, who zaps people if they give the wrong answers in their tests. But let's take a pause and look at, into this and think of this a bit more carefully. Why is it of all of the responses that the angel would choose to make Zechariah dumb? And then suddenly when he, the child is born, he can speak again. Well, I think there are a few ways that we can think about to understand this. The first we know is that Zechariah's job was to be a priest, right? He is to be a witness of the presence of God and a mediator of prayers that people had towards God. But because Zechariah didn't have a right perspective of God, and as a priest, when you bear witness of who God is out of the overflow of your heart that's informed by your perspective, you, you, you share this with other people, right? Because out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths speak. We, that's how we mediate God's presence. And so, could it be that the angel wanted Zechariah to just stop doing his priestly duties for a period of time? to stop focusing on the doing of duties and just be quiet so that he could hear God speak again before speaking to others about God? Could it be that Zechariah needed to have a timeout, a Selah moment to reflect on what has just unfolded? 
things had become so routine for him that he wasn't expecting God to move or prayers to be answered even though he was there precisely in the temple for that purpose. Could it be that Zechariah needed a moment to pause and renew his perspective of God as well as his own identity so that when he would speak again, it would be words that would reflect the true character and nature of God and would be life-giving to others in his role as a priest. And indeed, we see that the first words when Zechariah gets to speak again at the birth of his son is a powerful song of praise that was recorded in Luke chapter 1, verse 57. A complete change of his perspective of the situation. And it says here in verse 57, Now the time came from Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And immediately Zechariah's mouth was open and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. What a change of perspective. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And the passage goes on that, and with this prophecy that then Zechariah gives to the people that was present about the purpose that John would have to prepare the way of the Lord, to give people knowledge of salvation, to shine on those living in the darkness and to guide our feet into the path of peace. What an incredible change of perspective just for taking that Selah moment out to have a moment to change his perspective. What about Mary? Let's look at Mary's response and perspective. Remember, she's this ordinary, everyday peasant girl from a, born to an unimportant family in a backwater town. And although she was just a teenager with no status, no standing, no job, and although by the tradition of society she was going to experience shame and disgrace by bearing this child outside of marriage, and she's going to risk being condemned and abandoned by Joseph, what does Mary do? Rather than hiding away in her home with her baby's bump, she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. And let's read and pick up the account of what has happened when a Mary arrives in Elizabeth's home. When Elizabeth hears Mary saying, Hello, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And blessed is the one, is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what is spoken to her by the Lord. Elizabeth declares over Mary that she is blessed and that her fruit of the womb is blessed and that she is blessed because she believed that the word of God will be fulfilled in her life. Now, if you think about the word blessed, the traditional understanding of it means that good things are happening to somebody. More money, a thriving relationship, a promotion, embrace and acceptance, nothing going wrong in life, needs are met, right? But that was completely the opposite of what was happening in Mary's situation. You know, it really takes a very different perspective for her to believe that she is blessed in her situation. To see herself as blessed, having a baby outside of wedlock, and her world being turned upside down with no resources to care for this baby. To see herself as blessed as she risks being rejected by Joseph and the entire community that she lives with. 
to see herself as blessed when the circumstances and consequences of what's going to happen didn't match up with the promises of God. What was different for Mary is that she had a growth mindset and a perspective that she was already blessed. And that was the lens that she used to see and understand her situation and trust that God is at work and doing something immeasurably more than she could ask, imagine, or understand. How do we know this? Is it in, where is it in the Word? Because right before even the arrival of the Christ child, before even Jesus breathes a single breath, utters a single word, or performs a miracle, Mary already goes on to declare a song of praise, even though nothing around her made sense except her mindset and perspective that she is blessed and God is going to do something in and through her life. In verse 46, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for He has looked with favour on the lowly state of His servant. Surely from now all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His, is his name. Indeed, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of His child Israel in in remembrance of His mercy according to the promises He made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to His descendants forever. You know, it is not the priest with years of experience but a teenage girl from nowhere who has, who has no theological training who sings this Magnificat about God who is entering so fully into this upside-down broken mess of humanity and is about to turn all our expectations, all our hopes and experiences right side up. She sings about the ushering of a new reality where God has become one of us so that we might become children of God. And I wonder if we can all see that like Mary and as children of God and followers of Christ, that this Christmas, that God wants to be born in us and through us to bring about the salvation of the world. Meister Eckhart, 13th century German mystic says, we are all called to be mothers of God, for God is always waiting to be born. We're all called to be mothers of God, for God is always waiting to be born. Emmanuel wants to come into the world and in, into the world and in and through your lives this Christmas. Not just to bless you, but that through you the world will truly be blessed. Do you see that? Can you receive that today? Can you see that like Mary, God calls you blessed? God calls you highly favoured, that God has come to give you life and life abundantly, even when the circumstances around you doesn't reflect that in the natural. Even when your circumstances will potentially deteriorate as a result of following Christ. In this Advent season leading up to Christmas, let's take a pause to prepare to encounter the divine. For the God of the immeasurably more who makes all things possible to come. 
And as we wait for Emmanuel, I would like to invite us that as we prepare for the coming of Christ, let's commit in this season to renew our mindsets, to allow our perspectives to be transformed and to live out of a place of expectation that Jesus, Jesus himself is coming to be born through us and dwell with us and is coming to prepare the way for us in our lives, in the life of our church and for the world in immeasurably more ways. So as we close our time together, in response, I would like to invite the worship team back up to lead us in this song of response now to God. Can I invite you to rise in body or in spirit this morning to respond to what God has laid on your heart? Amen. There is one, there is one who is greater, nothing else compares, he holds all power, you hold it all, in the earth and the heavens, does anyone compare, our God you reign, oh you reign, there is one who is greater, Nothing else compares, you hold all by, you hold it all. And the earth and the heavens, does anyone compare? Oh God, you reign, oh you reign. Now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever through your power and work in our lives to God be the praise forever
sing all the glory. All the glory in the church, all the glory on the earth belongs to you, belongs to you. All the praises I can find every second of my life belongs to you, belongs to all the glory. Please be seated. So thank you, Gary, for the sermon. A very challenging sermon, I must say, given that two-thirds of us are more Zacharias, but challenging us to be, have the faith of Mary to believe that God can really do immeasurably more than we can imagine in our lives. Um, but for those of you who are still thinking, well, I'm actually still a Zachariah. You know, I need God to give me that faith. You know, maybe there's areas in your life that are just broken, and it's very hard to imagine how God could really be manifested in that. Well, to all of you, I'd say, hang on there, you know, don't give up. And that's what communion is about. So we're coming to a time of communion. And this is a reminder that no matter what situation you're going through, whether you have that faith of Mary or you still have that hesitation of Zechariah, God is with us. God is with you in your situation. And so just keep hanging on there. And so as we gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we're not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize 
that God's grace is sufficient. Good Shepherd, we take your care for granted. In the midst of your many blessings, we complain of not having enough. In the presence of danger, we fail to trust your abiding love. When you set a table before us, we turn aside from you. Call us back into your fold and help us trust your caring presence and provision, that our actions may proclaim your truth. Surely goodness, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. God forgives our failures and calls us back into the flock. Loving God, our good shepherd, we are the sheep of your pasture, and you know us by name. We, we offer grateful thanks for your loving care. Open, open our hearts and minds to the guiding, to the guiding of, of your spirit in our lives. Lead us in right paths that we may serve you in truth and action. Amen. God prepares the table for us, offering us a feast of abundant love. Our cups overflow with the bounty of grace, for our shepherd knows us as no one else can. Restoring our souls, healing our brokenness, nourishing us with bread and cup for the life of ministry. We remember how Jesus, our shepherd, took bread and after giving thanks, broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. I invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements. For those of you who are watching at home, now would be a good time to get your own elements to represent the bread of the wine so we can all partake together. And if you're new with us, uh, please hold on to the elements when you receive them as we will all partake together at one time.
come to the table and feast with the shepherd. Let us partake of these communion elements together with thanksgiving. May I now invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me in the prayer of communion. Together. God of love, you abide with us. Your loving presence stills us. You provide us with all that we need in abundance. Help us love one another in truth and action. Help us give of ourselves to those in need. Help, Help us care for others the way our shepherd cares for us. May our lives reflect our wholehearted trust in our shepherd's everlasting love and care. Amen. Please be seated. You may pass your cups to the aisles, and the stewards will come round to collect them. So welcome once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you're welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your religious background, your economic status, or any of the labels the world puts on you. So to those of you who worship with us every week and to those joining us for the first time, welcome home. My name is David and I'm the service leader for today. So if you're new with us, uh, we invite you to leave us your details. At, um, you can scan the QR code that's going to come up on the screen or you can go to fcc.ly slash welcome. We promise we won't spam you or send you any, uh, anything, but um, our pastors, our staff will reach out to you and find out how we can serve your needs. And we also have a newcomers meeting every month. So this month it will be on the 17th of December. It's usually the last Sunday, but because we have Christmas and all that, um, this month it will be on the 17th of December after the service. Uh, and it will be a time, a short gathering at the back of the hall for, so you can meet our uh, staff and our leaders, find out more about our theology and our history and what we're about. So if you want to do that, email info at freecomchurch.org. Okay, we also have, uh, it's the time of the month when we give you a financial update. So we now have only one month left to go. So as of the end of November, we are still behind. I think we talked about this at the AGM. We talked about this at the sermon on money two weeks ago. This is our situation as, as usual. Uh, so we have one month to go. We need to catch up that last bit. Uh, so I think we have about uh, 39000 to go for the general fund and 20000 to go for the building fund. So we do urge our members and those who worship with us regularly, if this is your church home and your family, we really need your help to keep the lights on, to make sure our pastors are paid, and um, to keep doing the ministry that God has called us to do. So maybe some of you may be getting your bonuses soon, so please consider um, just helping us out with that last push to the end of the year. And um, there's, as usual, there's two ways you can give. You can scan the QR codes to give by pay now. One goes to our building fund, uh, which is going to pay down the mortgage of this place, and the other goes to our general fund, which is um, our expenses, our salaries, and so on. And you can also give at credit, by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. But there's a platform fee of 1.5%, but we welcome giving in all forms. So please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear God, you give us immeasurably more than we can imagine, and you provide for us in ways we cannot even imagine as well. 
Lord, give us the grace, give us the faith to be able to give back to you sacrificially in faith, to support the ministry of FCC, to help your word and your light and your love spread to more and more people. Lord, we pray you sustain this ministry and sustain the work that we're doing to be that safe place where all people can worship, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of gender identity, where people can come as themselves, be safe, and worship you. Lord, we pray you bless the offering and bless all those who gave, and help us to use it for the extension of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So now invite the stewards to come forward and take the offering. If you are here on site and you would like to give cash, please raise your hand and the stewards will come to you. Uh, while they're going around, we have just a few announcements. Uh, okay, so the first announcement is this week there will be lunch kakis. Um, today's lunch kaki is Daniel. He is, uh, is he at the back somewhere? Okay, well anyway, look for Daniel at the back of the hall later on. If you are new here and you don't know anyone and you think, hey, it would be nice to have lunch with someone, look for Daniel. He will take you to the local hawker center and you can get to have a lunch with him. Um, the next one is an a announcement for the Chinese ministry. So uh, it's, there's one more session coming up on the 12th of December, which will be led by Benny. And this will be a, kind of a talk in Chinese on how you can live out your Christian faith and manifest that faith and grow in your faith. So if you want to come to that, uh, it will be on the 12th of December. The time is not stated, so I think if you're, if you're not sure, just ask, some, ask one of the leaders around. We also have a new online cell group starting in 2024. Um, this is especially for those who may not live in Singapore who actually want to be part of a community. So you can sign up at fcc.ly slash new online CG. And uh, lastly, it's a reminder that our Christmas service will be held on the 24th of December. It's a Sunday. But do not come here at 10.30 because there will be nobody here. Come at 5 p.m. It will be a bilingual candlelight service. And then afterwards, there will be dinner provided as well. So we look forward to see all of you there on 24th of December. And so now I invite Pastor Pauline to give us the benediction. And now may I invite you to rise in body and spirit to receive the benediction. Loving God, in this season of Advent, renew our minds that we may have mindsets of growth, openness, a willingness to learn. Transform our perspectives that we may see you, ourselves, and the world in a way that you are calling us to, in ways that allows our love and light to shine in this dark world. So now go. Go as God's beloved people and may God's joy and love go with you both now and always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Go and enjoy this season of Christmas as God's presence.